The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, what should our working week look like in a post-COVID world? Is remote and hybrid working here to stay? Can every EU citizen share in the so-called workplace revolution? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's what you told us at the height of the pandemic about why the future of this issue is of major concern. It's a complete mess. I've worked from home since March 2020. My hours at the desk have skyrocketed. A meeting at the desk. I'm back at my desk at 6pm after a 20-minute dinner, sometimes not logging off until 11. Zero work-life balance. Give me back my one-hour commute time any day. When we return to the office, the same workload will just not get done. People will be walking out at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, not bringing the laptop home. My workload has doubled. Every class I teach has had to be rebuilt to deliver online in a way that meets the learning outcomes and is engaging for my students and me. Since students can't access facilities, we are making and shipping them parts for projects. Plus, dozens of one-on-one meetings a week to discuss work that would normally happen during or after class. Hitting my second burnout cycle of the year with at least another month of 80 to 100 hour weeks to go before the summer. Oh, it's been amazing. Move back west and have been in the sea every day and enjoying the work-life balance being west gives you. No traffic lights or gridlock, it's been fantastic have made it a permanent move and have just deposit on a house. Things need to change in Ireland and WFH is the start of the change. For me, it's having to go to work. As a factory worker, I can't bring my work home. It's hands-on. A production line needs a consistent feed of materials, so it's at the factory it has to be. This new way of working, working from home, for others must be great. Get up when you want, make a coffee, have several tea breaks during the day and space your workout as you please. A plus for us factory workers is definitely a decline in traffic. I know a lot of you might not be too happy working from home, but on the other hand, a huge amount love it and don't want to be heading back into the dreadful traffic, the late nights home because of gridlock. Maybe this is the new normal. So what's the wider view? Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsella delves into the results of a representative survey we took with the Irish public on the changes to working culture and the changes workers want to see going forward. For our future of work cycle, we wanted to gauge how the public was feeling about working from home a little over a year into the pandemic. As of May 2021, there was no real talk of going back to the office and the future of COVID was cloudy. This was pre-Omicron and for many people pre-vaccine. It's worth acknowledging firstly, however, the large sections of the population for which such questions didn't or don't apply. The 43% of the public that were either retired, a homemaker, unemployed, on the PUP or unable to work. Before 2020, working from home was not common practice in Ireland, as confirmed in an ESRI report from May that year. Before the COVID-19 crisis, 14% of employees in Ireland worked from home in some form of capacity, either sometimes or usually. 
While working from home in Ireland is somewhat above the European average, figures vary widely from just 1% of employees in Bulgaria to over 30% in Sweden. The Good Information Project teamed up with Ireland Thinks to establish how Irish workers were feeling about the changes to working culture brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic. The poll revealed that many Irish people had strong feelings, both positive and negative, about working from home. One third rated the experience a 7 out of 10 or higher in terms of satisfaction, with 40% in total having positive feelings about it. On the other end of the spectrum, 45% of people rated the experience negatively, suggesting that Ireland is quite evenly split on the issue. 16% felt neither good nor bad about the new working culture ushered in by COVID. Favourable attitudes carried over to the idea of hybrid working. Of those who worked from home, three quarters said they would like to work from home either three days a week or less when restrictions were lifted. 42% said two days or less, with only 17% advocating for a full working week in the office. Interestingly, the least popular outcomes for a hybrid working model were the options of spending only one day a week in the office or four days a week in the office, suggesting that there are strong opinions at the all-or-nothing poles of post-pandemic working life. While working from home seems a popular idea, participants in the poll didn't suggest that remote working would have a major effect on where they live. 41% said that there was absolutely no chance of them moving house were they able to work remotely, while only 10% said that such a move would be highly likely. Most of their answers were concentrated down the unlikely end of the spectrum, but there are clearly some people that state they would move if they could work from home. There are variations here where some demographics are clearer indicators of a likelihood to move. Younger people, those living in Dublin, those living in rented accommodation, and those without children are all more likely to move. Evidence suggests that far too many workers are in favour of working from home or the hybrid model for working culture to return to the 2019 norm where working from home was an uncommon feature of Irish life. The onus is now on the government and employers to facilitate this new normal. Thanks, Carl. Now, let's answer some of those key questions. I'm joined by the journal's business reporter, Ian Curran, to explain how legislation at Irish and EU level is attempting to provide a way forward. Welcome, Ian. Tell me, what was in the government's national remote work strategy when it was published very early in 2021 and I guess might have changed since then? Yeah, well, I mean, just to give you a sort of a sense of what the goal of it was, I mean, I think if you talk to kind of people in the human resources field or anybody who's kind of managed an office or has an interest in this stuff, they say that, you know, the pandemic really was a a large scale kind of experiment in remote working on on a massive, massive scale, really. And and the results of that experiment were fairly conclusive. I mean, we know now that remote working on that scale uh, actually doesn't affect productivity. In fact, worker productivity went up during the period of, of, of the pandemic when a lot of office workers were working at home. And I think the goal of the, the, the National Remote Work Strategy is to kind of enshrine, to kind of make sure that there isn't any progress lost on that. In other words, to kind of ensure that remote working will be a, a sort of a permanent feature within uh, Irish workplaces after the pandemic. So that's the kind of context for it. And as you say, it was kind of unveiled uh, early on last year. Um, there, there are a few key parts of it, you know, and, and, and you will have heard, obviously, some of these kind of pillars. One is obviously the, the right to request request remote working uh, which will require legislation legislation that has been sort of unveiled in kind of recent months and and uh, it, it, the drafts of it uh, another element of it is the, the the right to disconnect in other words the right to you know not work uh, not be sort of on call all the time as a lot of people were during the pandemic obviously with uh, slack messages and emails and so on you know beyond the, their, their kind of uh, contract hours or whatever and then the third aspect of it really is a kind of an in, uh, investment in infrastructure 
infrastructure, particularly around things like remote working hubs, obviously the national broadband plan, which kind of underpins this as well, uh, and also kind of building, you know, getting a sense of uh, of uh, the extent to which people are remote working, the kind of incidence of remote working, which we don't have a lot of very good data on. So th- those are kind of the main elements of it there. Ian, you mentioned there briefly uh, the right to disconnect, basically, where we had very blurred lines between what was work, what was home, when we were on call, when we were not. Uh, do you get up from the kitchen table? Does that mean you're on a break? Ireland kind of has the right to disconnect now. What what, what do we mean by that? Well, what we mean by kind of is that the government uh, did put together, uh, well, well, really the Workplace Relations Commission um, in conjunction with the, the unions and employers uh, put together a kind of a code of practice around the right to disconnect. Now, this code of practice is not uh, going to be legislated for it's more of a framework for kind of well first of all for future conversations about legislation but also a kind of a framework for for individual businesses to implement to make sure that workers are you know are, are not uh, you know working beyond uh, like far beyond their kind of contracted hours or outside of normal working hours and basically the code of practice enshrines kind of three things the first is the right of a worker uh, to um, not to work remotely uh Outside of their normal hours, that's very simple. The right to not be penalised for uh, uh, for disconnecting at the end of the working day, and then a sort of a duty for other employees to kind of respect your right to disconnect as well by not, you know, peppering them with emails after hours or, or Slack messages. So that's it. But as I say, it is a code of practice. It's not an actionable series of kind of uh, rules and regulations. In other words, if you have an issue with your employer, uh, uh, you know, and their implementation of this, uh, you know, you can't necessarily go to the workplace commission workplace relations commission unless it, you know it, it's it's uh, it, you know your complaint relates to uh, something like for example the organization of working time act which does regulate a workers uh, you know the, the amount of hours that a workers a worker can work within a given week um so it's really more of a, a code of practice and as i say a jumping off point for a conversation perhaps about future legislation because that legislation you mentioned has been there since 1997 but of course how we worked during covid changed the whole landscape and so that probably doesn't cover everything. And the European Parliament is also pushing for new workers' rights in this post-COVID landscape. Will that, I mean, it probably will have an impact on Irish legislation. We might be seeing that soon. Yeah, very much so. And I think, you know, the European Union has uh, put in place, I suppose, a process now to legislate for that actually before we unveiled our uh, right to disconnect framework. Um, the, the EU Parliament voted in favour of legislating for it, <laughs> which sounds like a roundabout way of saying that they wanted to do something down the line. But but basically, actually, we got an update on that a couple of weeks ago and the European Commission is now moving forward with legislation around the right to disconnect. Um, and, and, and I think that's expected over the coming uh, months. But... Um, The reality is, I mean, just looking at some of the figures around this, I think the most recently available figures, obviously it will have increased since this, uh, since then, but I think from 2018, um, there, there, there was a statistic that only 37% of EU jobs are actually remote workable, or I think teleworkable is how they described it at the time. Um, I think that highlights the fact that there are just some jobs that are very difficult to do remotely, and that's always going to be a tension within sort of the legislation around the, both the right to disconnect and the right to remote work. Um, in Ireland now, we have actually unveiled the legislation around uh, the, the, the right to request remote working um, that has been heavily criticised by trade unions as kind of lacking teeth um, it's been uh, you know they've been very critical of it because really it's about the right to request remote working rather than the right to actually you know 
remote work or hybrid work. Um, uh, there, there's also a number of things in there that are going to need to be clarified. For example, th- there are a range of reasons an employer can refuse a request to uh, to to um, uh, to remote work. Um, a, a number of them, and and, and very few uh, that would allow an employee to take a case to the Workplace Relations Commission just to say, well, actually, I disagree with this. This was a very unfair decision. Uh, that that's been the criticism from the likes of Patricia King and 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 other uh, union leaders in Ireland. And then on the other side of it, there's a very strange thing where employers can actually be criminally prosecuted if they don't have a right uh, a, a, a a framework in place to allow employees to uh, uh, to request the right to uh, remote working. So it, 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 there's a lot of grey area there. There's a lot of things that have to be um, uh, uh, hammered out and, and hopefully we'll get more clarity on that over the coming months. So request away, but not necessarily um, expect an answer straight away. And of course, there is a bright spot on the horizon as well, in for Irish employees because there is the EU's Work-Life Balance Directive and it seems from that, that the government are looking to implement that possibly before the dull summer recess, which would be amazing, um, that uh, the Work-Life Balance Bill bringing the right to request flexible work arrangements. So that's a little bit different from just right to request remote working. Can you tell us what flexible might mean? Well, flexible work arrangements, they just refer to sort of uh, a range of different options that employers might give to their employees. That includes things like job sharing or just being able to give a particular employee, you know, time off on a, on a morning just to drop their kids to school. Uh, and, and, and that's the idea, whereas obviously remote working is much more so about working from home and having the option there. So uh, obviously, I mean, it, it's, it would be, as you say, uh, monumental, I think, if the government was able to get this over the line in a quick fashion. We've all seen, I suppose, the issues that... Uh, the kind of structural issues within uh, childcare that the pandemic has highlighted in Ireland, and I think there is a sense that uh, these kind of flexible working uh, arrangements would uh, w- would help with that and, and and alleviate a lot of the pressure on parents. Um, obviously, uh, you know, and um, yeah. So as you say, it would be uh, uh, like a, a welcome addition if it could get over the line before the summer. Thanks for that, Ian. We'll give the last word to Sean Murray from our Open Newsroom webinar on how the EU push for flexible working conditions may not be accessible to all employees. We know around half of people had their work situation changed by COVID, but like the other half didn't. And if we go to a situation where like, we're, we're like predominantly office-based workers, and if people like us start to get that option of I'm working a few days at home, I'm working a few days in the office, we start to get that flexibility. I wonder what would happen to industries where that flexibility kind of isn't possible. Like one that comes to mind there is the hospitality industry who've been awfully decimated during all of this. All their workers, while they're on the PUP, waiting to come back to work, they're kind of saying, ah, we might actually go into different industries. So if there's a whole swathe of workers who can get offered that flexibility and that kind of new way of working that creates that work-life balance, if they can get that, but there are other jobs that can't quite offer that, I think that's going to create a huge disparity. And I think it might... It might have a negative effect on some industries that will find it hard to retain people. Now, that was quite a negative uh, spin on it, but I, I think I think there's a lot of questions to be asked, and I think um, there's a lot of support that will need to be given to, to those industries in particular in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty, with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation at thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, 
find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.